I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Last Sunday we began um, to go through the Catechism again. We took up Lord's Day 1 last week. And uh, this week we move into the first part of the Catechism, as we mentioned earlier, um, us coming to know our sin and our misery. And so here in Psalm 107, uh, we have a beautiful um, and really marvelous uh, depiction of the world as it has wandered away from the Lord. And the, and the psalmist here surveys the world to find the children of man in a restless estate. Uh, the children of man in their misery because they have defied and rebelled against the Lord. And yet in the midst of all of this, we also find the Lord's deliverance and how he brings his people back to himself to give him thanks. And so we'll see this here in Psalm 107 beginning at verse 1. This is the holy and inspired word of God. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And now the psalmist is going to move in that direction, to the east, to the west, to the north, and to the south, uh, surveying again the children of man. Verse 4. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things." Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm to be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. 
He turns a desert into pools of water and parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. I'm going to turn now to our catechism, uh, Lord's Day 2, in the back of our hymnal. You'll find that on page 872. So I'll read the questions there. Uh, There's uh, one, two, three of them for us, and we'll respond together with the answer. So question three, how do you come to know your misery? The law of God tells me. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in summary in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Can you live up to all of this perfectly? No, I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. So far from the catechism. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to think about uh, the first part of the catechism regarding our misery, again we find in Psalm 107 the various expressions of misery as it's found throughout the world. As I noted in our reading of Psalm 107, if you look at uh, verse 3, you see that the psalmist is providing us with a kind of map uh, before he begins to survey the world around him. He says that God has redeemed and gathered people from, as it says at the end of verse 3, from the east and from the west, uh, from the north and from the south. And then, um, as the psalmist moves into these opening verses, he moves into those locations. There's four different locations. He goes into the desert wastes. He goes to those who are in the shadow of death. Uh, He goes to those who have uh, followed their sinful ways on deathbeds. And then ultimately goes down into the sea. And so he follows men. He moves out from the land of promise. He moves out from the land where God dwells with his people to see what is the state of man outside of the presence of God, away from God. Right? The east and the west, the north and the south, all of it's spoken of relative to the place of God's dwelling. In the psalmist's mind, that is the land of Israel, right? It's the place where God established his people. It's where he dwelt with his people and provided for them and gave to them abundantly. But now as he moves outside of the land and says, okay, what is it like to live apart from the Lord? What is it like to live away from God, east of Eden? Or maybe even north or south, whatever it might be. Outside of the land of promise, what is it like? Sometimes we might be tempted to think like that. We see the, go- the, the godless, we see the wicked prospering, we see their lifestyle. We might say, well, what might it be like to be there, to live like that? And some of us are very aware of that, our own lives. We grew up that way. We were outside of the land of promise, and we, we would caution against such living. But the question is, what does it look like 
to live outside the land of the Lord's presence. What does it look like to be apart from the Lord? Again, as the psalmist uh, surveys the world around him, he finds nothing but restlessness, and he finds nothing but misery. To be away from the Lord in all of its various expressions is to be, at, to be restless and in a miserable estate. This is the very thing that the Lord had told Cain, right, as he rebelled against the Lord. He said to him in Genesis 4, verse 12, You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And that is the state of man, apart from the Lord. They follow in the heritage of Cain, an evil one. They are restless wanderers on the earth. And again, it looks different as you move around the earth, but the bottom line of all of them is that it is a matter of restlessness, a matter of misery. And you might say, well, why are they in a miserable state? Why are they restless? Well, notice in a number of places we see the reason why they are in this, these, these states and why they're restless and why they're miserable. Verse 11, notice, says, as the cause, as the reason for their restlessness and their misery, it says that they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Notice also verse 17 as a, as a reason given for their restlessness. It says that some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. Notice also verse 24 regarding those who were out at sea. It says that they saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. Right? They see his power at work and rather than coming to him at first, right, they seek in their own strength to establish themselves. They seek to stabilize their ship in the midst of it and yet they're tossed to the heavens and they're tossed down to the depths. Right? You can follow the ship as the wave brings it up and down and they stagger to their wit's end because they see the deeds of the Lord and yet they do not acknowledge the Lord. And so in all of these instances, right, we see what the catechism gives us in a very concise manner, states in a very concise manner, that we come to know our sin and misery through the law of God telling us. The law of God in the land of promise where God dwelt with his people was one of loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind to love our neighbor as ourselves. That was the way of life in the land of God, within his presence. But now as they have wandered, as they have gone away from the presence of God, it's defined by their defiance of the love of the Lord and of his law. And so as they begin to think upon the cause of their misery, that they have rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High, it's then that in the psalm that they begin to realize their misery and seek their deliverance from the Lord. And so we begin to see then the way in which, or rather the cause behind the restlessness of the world, the restlessness of a life that is apart and lived apart from God. And so notice, we very briefly, we don't have the time to open up all of this, but notice some of the ways this restlessness, caused by their spurning the counsel of the Most High, caused by them rebelling against the word of God and his law, Notice how it, uh, it shows itself and it's felt by the children of man throughout the earth. 
As he likely moves into the east, it says there in verse 4 that some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. This is a kind of misery that is often felt by those who are apart from the Lord. Seeking to be satisfied, seeking to quench their thirst, and yet their souls forever remain hungry and thirsty, like wandering in a desert waste, wandering with nothing to satisfy them, wandering and just being um, overwhelmed by the heat and exhaustion, finding no city to dwell, no refuge, nothing. So too, the children of man who pursue satisfaction, who pursue life apart from the Lord, are forever hungry and forever thirsty. Yes, they may get a sip here and there, Yes, here and there they might feel like their souls are quenched, but it dissipates in a moment, and they're left hungry and thirsty. This is the misery that we come to know through the law of God. He goes also out likely to the west, as he says in verse 10, Some sat in darkness, in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God, spurned the counsel of the Most High, so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor, and they fell down with none to help. Right? Not only hungry and thirsty, but feeling imprisoned, feeling stuck, feeling like we are enslaved. Right? That's, again, a common notion that we hear arising around us and heard around us in the world as those who are rebelling against the Lord. Outside of the presence of God, there is hunger and there is thirst. And there is enslavement. The very things that we love, the very things that we think will bring us joy, the very things that we think are, are, are serving us are ultimately enslaving us. And they weigh us down. It's the nature of idolatry. An idol always becomes something that enslaves. And so the East, nothing good is found but misery. The West, nothing good is found but misery as people are enslaved to their passions, to their sin, and to their way of living. Notice as he moves then to the north. In verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities. Suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. And they drew near to the gates of death. It's a, it's a living death. To be away from the presence of the Lord. Again all of these symbolic. All of these descriptions. For restlessness. Hunger and thirst enslavement, death, and the wasting away of life. And then finally, as he moves into the south, into the sea, we read there, I won't read all those verses again, but we have those uh, who go into the ships, they do great business on the waters, and they see the deeds of the Lord, and, and as they're out there, the Lord's power is seen in the great storm that descends upon them. And their ship, again, is brought high into the heavens, brought down into the depths, and they're staggering, as it says, like drunken men, and at their wit's end. Again, an apt description of life apart from the Lord. A life apart from the, the, the presence of God. A life apart from loving God and our neighbor. And so, so rather, Psalm 107 provides us uh, with a marvelous picture of the misery of mankind apart from the presence of God. 
And this, uh, this was our lot, apart from Christ. This was our lot, apart from the Lord's redeeming grace. And so as we look upon this, we're reminded that away from the Lord, out of his presence, there is only restlessness and misery. But, but there is good news in this psalm as well. As we found those wandering in, way, in desert ways, we found those in affliction imprisoned, we found those on a deathbed, we found those about to be overcome at sea, all of them make the same confession, if you noticed it as we, made, as we read this text here. As they come to their wits end, as they are at the point of death itself, right? it says in each instance, for example in verse 6, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. They came to a point where they recognized their helplessness. They recognized that they could not save themselves. They recognized that their strength was impotent to bring them to safety, to satisfy them, to free them. And so in all of these instances, right, in verse 6 we see this, then in verse 13 the same words, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. And then again in verse 28, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. The point that we need to see here is that as these men, as these children of man are outside of the presence of God, yet they cry to the Lord. They recognize that their help must come from him. And that's the only place that we can find true deliverance. Because it's the Lord alone who is able to deliver. For the one who is hungry and thirsty, it is the Lord who satisfies the longing soul. For the one who is imprisoned, right, it's the Lord who breaks apart the bonds of iron and bursts them apart. For the one on death's bed, it is the Lord who delivers them and heals them of their disease. For the one at their wits end, tossed to and fro at the sea, in the sea. It is the Lord who brings them to their desired haven. All of that is the work of the Lord, and the psalmist summarizes that as the steadfast love of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Though they had wandered from his presence... Yet they cried to him, and in his steadfast love and his covenant faithfulness to his people, he brought them back and delivered them. Despite their faithlessness, their despising of his word and spurning his counsel, yet God delivered them according to his grace, according to his mercies. And what does he do? But he gathers them in, brings them back into his presence. And this is what God has done ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the psalmist, as he looks out, sees that God for a time had dwelt specifically with his people in the land of Israel. And so to to leave the land was a kind of death. It It was to wander away from the presence of the Lord. In fact, it's quite interesting. David, when he's being hunted by King Saul before he's David himself is king, David is left, is exiled from the land to escape Saul. In the Psalms, when David reflects on him leaving the land, he sees it as a kind of um, uh, death. He sees it as a kind of death in which he's left the presence. So when he comes back into the land and he is made king, he speaks of it as also a kind of resurrection from the dead. And so what we see then is that the Lord begins to gather his people out of death 
and bring them into life. That God begins to bring his people out of sin and misery under the reign of death and brings them into his presence where there is life. And of course today, it's not a matter of let's make our way back to the land of Israel. That served a purpose for a time. But now, the true homeland, the true place of God's presence is heaven itself. And God begins to gather a people from the, the, all the um, corners of the earth to bring them to himself in his heavenly temple. And he has done so through Jesus Christ, his son. The, the, the epitome, the highest expression of the steadfast love of the Lord in sending his son to deliver us from our sin and from our misery. The one who is hungry and thirsty is satisfied in Christ who is living water. The one who is imprisoned is set free by Christ who came to set us free as our great deliverer. The one who is on death's bed, sick unto death, Christ comes to provide healing in the shadow of his wings. The one at their wits end, tossed to and fro at sea, Christ is the one who says, peace, be still. Right? In all of these instances, no matter where man finds himself and the misery that he feels in himself, Christ is always the one who will deliver. Christ is the one who has delivered you, and Christ is the one who can deliver those who are lost in darkness. And so, we've seen the misery of mankind, the restlessness of man. We've seen how God delivers. And then we also see in this psalm the response of those who have been delivered. And in this sense, we see the very structure of the catechism, right? Often we'll say the catechism is structured, which it is, according to the book of Romans. Man's sin and misery, our deliverance, how we are to thank God. And we see that very same pattern here in Psalm 107. Man's sin and misery, God's deliverance in Christ, ultimately, and now how we then are in response to that to thank God for such deliverance, right? Verse 8, for example, in those out in the desert wastes who have been satisfied and brought to the city of God, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And that same phrase is repeated in all of these instances. Those who have been set free, let them thank the Lord. For his steadfast love. Those on death's bed have now been made a whole. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. And those at sea who have now reached their desired haven, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Our sin and our misery can only be dealt with when we cry out to the Lord. And we become aware of our sin and misery, become aware of it when we recognize that we are in this estate and we are here because we have rebelled against God's word. The law of God reveals that to me. And when that is made known to me, it's not a matter of then despairing and remaining there, but then crying out to the Lord, finding his deliverance in Christ his Son, who satisfies, who frees, who heals, and who brings peace. And once that takes place, once I have come to Christ by faith, believing upon him, then with thankfulness in my heart, I rejoice in the Lord's salvation, and I live for him, moved not by servitude or slavery, but moved by gratitude, moved because God has done what I could not do. God has helped me when I could not help myself, 
And God has delivered me when I was enslaved. And God has brought me in Christ to my desired haven, even back into his presence where there is fullness of joy and back to his right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have pursued the children of man who have wandered far from you. And Father, though our misery may take different forms and shapes and feel differently, even as the psalmist uh, surveys the children of man throughout the world, yet, Lord, we are brought to a point knowing that it's only as we cry out to you that we can find deliverance and that our misery can be replaced with comfort. And Father, thank you that you have heard our cries. Thank you that you have sent a deliverer, a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we rest in him and seek none other outside of him. May he be our righteousness, our holiness. May he be our shield and our buckler. May he be for us living water, satisfying us. May he be for us our desired haven, a city, even a city of God that you've prepared for us, your people. And so, Father, then may our hearts be full with thankfulness as we look to you and to your steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen.